Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Oh, fantastic. I have a confession to make as your pastor. And as a strong, strapping man, I've got to turn in my man card today. I cry at this particular movie every time I see it. I know some of you are like, oh man, we're getting deep already, Pastor. Fellas, I don't know if you shed tears, if you get emotional, but in our relationship, and Rachel and I, I'm kind of the, I'm the emotional one in the family. Now, she cries too, but I, I cry my tears. Every time I see this movie, it just, it gets me. And I didn't know about it until my kids started watching it. When they were little, the girls would watch this, this Disney movie called Tangled. <laughs> you know the story of Rapunzel? Rapunzel, let down your hair. Dude, I, I weep at the end every time I see it. I know, it's, it's kind of embarrassing to share. I just thought we'd keep it real, right? We're, no filter, somebody say no filter. And, and so the, the story behind the, the, this, this movie is just captivating. I mean, this, this child is born into the family of a king. She's royalty. She, she doesn't even realize she's the princess. And she gets kidnapped because of her magical hair. And, and so she's, she's whisked away and she's raised in this isolated tower. She has no idea who she is. Until... A series of events happens, and through this discovery, she learns, wait a second, I am the lost princess. And, and she's reunited with her, with, her, with her mom and dad. There's the king and the queen. And, and for 18 years, she has lived you know, in, in isolation and under lies. But through a courageous acts and, and through some sovereign moments, she's reunited with her family. And it's at that moment when I see father and mother and daughter reunited. And it just gets me. And my kids look at me and they're like, Dad, are you crying again? I'm like, no, it's just allergies. (laughs) But it hits me because I think of how many people are kidnapped royalty. When you're born again, you're born into a royal family. There's something of value inside of you. And how many people have, have lived their entire lives isolated and held hostage to things that aren't even true. You see, this series on identity is about helping all of us discover the truth about ourselves. And you'll never know the truth about you until you first dial in to the truth about him. Last week, when we kicked off this series, we talked about the veil being removed so we can see the real us. You know, I think one of the things that the enemy has leveraged against us, and there's nothing wrong with the cell phone. There's nothing wrong with social media. But I believe that the enemy has leveraged social media against our children. And they've allowed social media to dictate what's popular and what's not. 
They've allowed social media to ascribe value to individuals. This is valued and this is not. This is beautiful and this is not. And can I tell you, it's all lies. And I believe that if we're going to discover who we are, we've got to get back to this. The Bible has to be the filter in which we see ourselves and see other people. Can I have a good amen? Uh, and listen, I'm all for social media. I think it's an incredible platform that we can leverage to proclaim the word of God, to, to, to ascribe the love of God to a generation that is desperately seeking affirmation. Uh, they don't know who they are because they don't know whose they are. And if there's one verse, everybody say one verse. If there's one verse I can give you that I think is probably, perhaps it's the most powerful and helpful verse on identity, it's this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Today we're going to talk about seeing yourself through a new lens. We're not going to look through social media. We're not going to look through mainstream media or a popular thought or culture. We're going to look through the lens of God's word. We're going to see ourselves through a new lens today. And this verse, I think, is perhaps the best filter, the best place to start. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul says these words. He says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. Somebody say the old life. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Somebody say new life. I want to talk to you about old life and new life. And really, I want us to see ourselves in three different realms. We're going to talk about your present. We're going to talk about your past. And then we'll finish with your future. 2 Corinthians 5.17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ... Somebody say anyone. Oh, I love that word. Because this throws the door wide open. The possibilities of transformation are available to anyone. Doesn't matter your race. Doesn't matter your nationality. Doesn't matter your level of, level of education or how much money you make. Doesn't matter where you were born, what, your, what family you came from. The Bible says anyone, anyone who has given their lives to Christ, they have the potential for life change. Anyone can be a Christian. Nobody is out of reach. Sometimes in my mind and in your mind, we'll say, that person there, wow, there's just no way. Have you ever, uh, come on, let's, let's keep it real. All right, let's keep it real. Have you ever worked with somebody or maybe you're related to somebody, or maybe you just got a problem with somebody. And you're thinking, there's just no way. And in your mind, you've just categorized them in a place beyond hope. But this scripture says that God doesn't give up on anybody. You see, the scandal of the gospel is not who it keeps out, but who it lets in. This thing called grace is available to even the most vile, the most evil, the most wicked of people. Consider the man who wrote this verse. 
The apostle Paul, oh, he's the colossal apostle. He is the most prominent figure of the New Testament, but he was also the most notorious criminal in the church. He was the one that was hunting down Christians and persecuting them and killing them, and yet God brought transformation to Paul. If God can do it for a terrorist, he can do it for you. You see, we give up on people, but God doesn't. Nobody is beyond God's reach. I've, I've talked to some of you. It's funny. You know, I've, I've, and I think this is awesome about the church. I think it's amazing about the gospel, but it's what I love about your spirit. Have you, have you ever run into somebody in church and you're like, what are you doing here? I never thought I would see you here on a Sunday. And they tell you, well, I was thinking the same about you. <laughs> you see, I was praying this weekend about this message and thinking about the church. I believe this is a zone of transformation. This is a place where the lost, the broken, the hurting, the disappointed, the discouraged, the confused, the dysfunctional, those that, that are carrying life's burdens, they come into a space like this. They hear the gospel. They sense the power of God's presence. And now all of a sudden, anyone can be changed because God's grace has no limits. Somebody say anyone. Anyone who belongs to Christ, that means literally in Christ. That, that phrase, in Christ, or in him, it's found 180 times in the New Testament. In fact, Paul writes it 143 times himself. It literally means to be hidden in Jesus, to be united with him, to be bound to Christ. When, when you say yes to Jesus, something supernatural happens. You're not just praying some token prayer. You know, it's not just something mechanical or routine. There is transformational power that takes place. When you're in Christ, now all of a sudden you have rights and privileges that you didn't access before. I remember when Rachel and I first got married. It, it really hit me when we ordered our first set of checks. And on that checkbook I saw Mike and Rachel Heyman. Her last name had changed. She went from a messer to a Haman. Whew. It got real. I'm thinking, whoa, now she has all the rights and privileges and access to being a Haman. Everything in this account, it now belongs to her. <laughs> Which wasn't much. <laughs> I mean, literally, babe, remember, I think we got back from our honeymoon, we had $2.74 in the, in the checking account. But it was all yours, baby. <laughs> you see, listen, brothers and sisters, when you say yes to Jesus, you are in Christ. You're united with him. You are bound to him. You have access now to everything that he has. And guess what? He has it all. There's not a thing that you need that he doesn't already have. And when you write the check, say, God, I need this, I promise you there is enough in the account to give you what you need. You need healing, you need strength, you need forgiveness, you need hope, it's all in the account. Anyone who belongs to Christ, you see, when we're in him, not only does it change our eternal destination, but we become a new creation. 
We become new. Uh, have you ever talked to somebody about their BC days? Their before Christ days? How many of you can remember your BC days? Whew, thank God for the blood. You ever met somebody and they start sharing, you know, who they were before Christ and you're thinking, what? Dude, there's, there's, there's no, there, that, there's no way. That can't happen. There's no way you were that stingy. You're the most generous person I have ever met. You see how they're generous with their time, their talent, their treasure, their touch. And to hear them talk about being stingy, you're thinking that, that you were a different person. I just can't imagine. Or somebody's talking about their anger issues, you know, always explosive, and maybe they argued in their marriage, and man, their marriage, marriage was about to, to fall apart, and yet when they received Christ, man, they, changed, they transformed from being mean and ornery to kind and great. You're thinking, man, that's the most gracious person I've ever met. Or somebody talk about being all prideful, arrogant, stuck on themselves. You're thinking, dude, you're so humble. How does that happen? I'll tell you how it happens. It doesn't happen through willpower. And I'm all about setting goals. And we need to write down, you know, hey, here's some benchmarks that I would like to reach. But the truth is, you and I, couldn't, we can't reach it on our own. The only way we can get to where we want to go is through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When we say yes to Jesus, there is transformation. You know, I've seen people talk about being a grouch and being all sad and sorrowful, and yet they're the happiest people you'd ever meet. So how does that happen? I'll tell you how it happens. Jesus, who was on the outside, is now on the inside. And it's the person and the presence and the power of his spirit in and through you. Some of you need to, you need to go down to, to, to the Department of Health and Human Services and say, hey, can you issue me another Social Security card because I am not the same person that I was before. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank God for change. Listen, there is hope. If you need change, there is hope in Jesus. Now, now, what does it mean to become a new person? Christ, I said this last week, Christ doesn't simply remodel you. This is not like a fixer-upper project. Well, you've kind of gone into decay, into decay, and we're going to make it the new and improved version of an old model. No, that's not what this is. This is total new construction. Bible says you're a new creation. Somebody say new creation. New meaning unused. It means fresh in quality, in development and opportunity. Creation, it kind of carries the idea of, of, of God when he created Adam in the garden. I mean, out of nothing, God created something. So what we're talking about today is not self-help. We're talking about totally new construction. When you're a new creation, the new you is the real you. You say, Mike, what changes? Well, I'll tell you one thing that changes, your desires. Remember when you were in the world and you were running and gunning and chasing and partying and drinking and, and all, living for yourself? How many remember those days? You were, you, you were, <laughs> ooh. PTSD for some of us. Oh, <laughs> you were out there building your testimony. Remember that? Oh, Jesus. 
Oh, but there's a new author. There's a new story being written. The page has turned. God's saying, no, no, no. The things that you wanted to do, you don't want anymore because you've tried it and you've tasted it and you realized it left you empty. There's no nourishment in that. Man. You're chasing something you think will bring you fulfillment and that's the lies of the enemy. The, the devil will always promise, he makes promises that he can't keep. He promises fulfillment, but he only brings pain. He promises popularity, but he only brings depression and destruction. He promises happiness, man. But, but you feel like your life is in shambles. That's what I'm telling you, the devil is a liar. Don't listen to culture. Don't listen to, to social media. Man, listen to this book. Bible says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The new you is the real you. Your desires change. You don't want to go to the places that you used to go. You don't want to hang with the people that you used to hang with. And for some of us, that's a challenge. Let me tell you this, you're gonna to have to press reset on some habits and some friendships. You're gonna to need to unfriend some people. You're gonna to need to let go of some things that are holding you back. I'll tell you one thing I've learned that when, when, when you go back to old friends, you go back to old sins. What changes? Well, your desires change. Look at what Ezekiel tells us, Ezekiel 36, 26. God says this, I will give you a new heart. Somebody say new heart. I'll put a new spirit within you. But first, I gotta take out your old heart of stone, that stony stubbornness inside of you. I gotta take that out before I put a new, it sounds like a heart transplant. Come on, does it not? This is where transformation happens from the inside out. He says, and I'll give you a tender and responsive heart. I'll put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and you'll be careful to obey my regulations. When you're a new creation, when you have the presence of Jesus inside of you, you don't want to do the things of your flesh. You want to do the things that please God. God, how do I please you in my relationships? How do I please you uh, in my sexuality? How do I please you in my personal disciplines? I once was living for myself, and I realized that if I live for myself, I'll self-destruct. But God, now that your spirit is in me, how can I be pleasing to you? You see, listen to me, church, that's the path of holiness. The path of holiness is saying, Lord, what is it that's pleasing to you? And then regardless of how you feel, you do what pleases him. You see, God changes your desires. It's like changing your taste buds. How many of you discover that the older you get, your taste buds have changed? How many of you, you like some foods now that you didn't like when you were young? I thought about growing up, I did not like Greek yogurt at all. Oh, as a kid, no, give me ice cream. Come on, give me that butter pecan. Come on, talk to me. Whew. But now that I'm older, I, that butter pecan stuff is too sweet. Give me the Greek yogurt. I love it. Man, cut up some fruit, give me some blueberries, strawberries, put a little granola on that. Put some of that Janway honey. Come on, Janway Farms. Man. We're selling it in the cafe. It's the best honey on the planet. Man, I love me some Greek yogurt. Why? Something has changed. My desires have changed. When Jesus comes into your life, he changes the things that you want to do. 
He changes your desires. He changes your direction. I mean, just complete 180. I just got back from Mexico. I was in Mexico all last week. And we were preaching at a pastor's conference for a lady named Sister Ollie Lovett. Some of you may know Sister Ollie Lovett. I'll tell you just a little bit about her story. Amazing work that's happening in Mexico. We were at a conference with, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of pastors and leaders. And the Spirit of God was moving. I'm telling you, these guys were getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Man, there was supernatural healing in bodies. Words of knowledge that were going forth. And just the power, prophetic word that rested upon the people. It was an amazing week of ministry, but none of that would have been possible unless 60 years prior, a young lady from Walker, Louisiana, heard from the Lord. She's, Miss Ali, when, when she was in her late 20s, she had a promising job at Exxon. Nothing but upward mobility. Engaged to be married, had her whole life in front of her, but felt the Lord say, hey, sell everything you have and move to a nation you've never been with a language that you've never spoken, a person you've never met. And so she obeyed God. She, her, her employers were disappointed. Wait a second, where are you going? We've got all this opportunity. She said, no, the call of God is, is telling me elsewhere. Her fiance said, well, I'm not going to Mexico. You know what she did? She took off that ring and said, bye. <laughs> and never looked back. Sold everything she had, moved to Mexico, not knowing a soul, not speaking the language, still single to this day. She's 91 years old next week, okay? Never been married, but has followed the call of God, and now there's a network of pastors, about 120 strong. She's got a Bible college where she has raised these guys up, taught them the word of God, sent them out to plant churches. She has an orphanage. She has a school. She's got a ministry that's serving the poor. And in her last days, she said this. This is what our meeting was about this past week. She told all of her pastors, she said, look, when I go be with Jesus, all of this now belongs to Healing Place Church. I want Healing Place to steward my legacy. Can I tell you, that is not a small thing. That is a big deal. When you receive Christ, not only does he change your desires, but he changes your direction. You see, this new you, somebody say the new me. The new you is a gift from God. You didn't manufacture it. I mean, think about this. You didn't create yourself the first time. Did you have anything to do with you getting here? Can't take credit for it, can you? You came from God through your parents to this earth. You didn't do anything to create yourself the first time. Guess what? So this recreation, it comes from the Lord again. We didn't do anything this time. It's called being born again. You see, you see your present differently. But number two, you also see your past differently. The Bible says the old life is gone. How, how, how does God deal with our past? Uh, let me give you a couple quick thoughts. I want you to jot this down. First of all, he forgives us of the things that we've done. And I'm so thankful for forgiveness. Where would we be without the forgiveness of God? I have done things. I have said things. I have thought things. I've been a part of things that I am not proud of. 
You say, Mike, even as a Christian, yes. As a believer, when you say yes to Jesus, it doesn't mean that you stop sinning. It just means that your desire to please God is greater than your fleshly desire. That's why you've got to feed your spirit. You can't starve your spirit and feed your flesh. You can't spend five minutes in God's word and five hours on social media and expect to have, oh, yes, I did. I went there. I did. I did. I went there. Again, and I'm not hating on social media. I love it. But man, we're just, it's almost like we're addicted to just, oh, what do they think? What do they say? Oh, wow, look at how many likes that. Wow, look at what that is. What? What did you see? Check this out. And watch. Oh, look at what just happened in the White House. Look at, I can't believe, did you know that you're just blasting people? And, and we get so, oh, come on, I'm, I'm preaching where we live now. See, the devil wants you so trapped into what's happening politically, culturally, nationally. And you know what? We've neglected the most important thing, what's happening spiritually. You see, he forgives us of the things we've done. First John 1 John 1.8, the Bible says this. If we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. You ain't fooling nobody but yourself. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But, watch this, if we confess our sins, then he is faithful and he's righteous. He's just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many of you are thankful for the forgiveness of God? You see, you don't have to be plagued by guilt and shame. The the things of your past don't have to haunt you. You're a work in progress. All of us are. Uh, Now, you may not be where you want to be, but thank God you're not where you used to be. Uh, Listen, this summer, Trevor, he's 15 years old, my son, and so he had to take driver's ed. (laughs) Warning label. My son's fixed to be out there on the road with all (laughs) y'all. He was so disappointed this summer he had to give up three days to go to driver's ed and do all the classroom work. Now he's in the driving portion of it. And have you seen, this is beautiful, have you seen the kids that are, that are in driver's ed and they're in that, that driver's ed car? <laughs> and you know it's a driver's ed car, right? Because it's got stickers all over it. It says, warning, be careful, hey, student driver. (laughs) And you see like little Sally in there, little Johnny. And man, they're just clutching that steering wheel. And you pull up, now you ain't want to get behind them. You don't want to get behind that car. You're thinking, man, how can I, how can I get around? Because bless his heart, he's still learning. And then hopefully you remember when you were learning. And so you got a little more patient with driver's ed car because you know that they're a work in progress. Oh, come on, come on, come on now, come on. He's not the idiot that you proclaim everybody else is, right? You idiot, what are you doing on the road? You don't do that to driver's ed, do you? They're like, oh, hi, good luck. <laughs> Listen, you need to treat other people like they're in driver's ed. Oh, come on, come on. This would help us 
as a body of believers, yes, yeah, somebody going to do something, say something that was stupid, all right? I know, dumb. Listen, when God called you, he already factored in your stupidity. <laughs> Isn't that encouraging? Sometimes I'll do dumb stuff, and it's like, God's, uh, you know, I, I knew that was coming, but I called you anyway. Aren't you glad that God was patient with you in driver's ed? Can you operate in some patience with other people? God forgives us of the things that we've done, but watch this. He also heals us of the things others have done to us. It's not only the mistakes that we make that he forgives, but it's the pain that we've incurred from the actions of others. Some of you have scars based on the pain of your past. You've been hurt by a father, by an uncle, by a family member. You've been disappointed by somebody that you trusted. Some of you have been even hurt in a church setting, and sometimes that pain runs the deepest. A pastor has disappointed you. Somebody in the church has talked about you. You've been hurt in a small group or in a prayer gathering, you know, and it's hard for you to even embrace church because of the pain that you've experienced. Some of you have scars. I want you to know this. Your scars remind you of your past, but Jesus' scars remind you of your future. He's got some scars. He's taken upon himself some pain. When he died on the cross, listen to me, beloved, you've got to decide that what God has done for you is bigger than what anybody else has done to you. Lord, you can forgive me of my sins, but Father, you can also heal me of all of my pain. Are you catching this? Uh, let, let me just fast forward to, to this last portion. Number one, we, we see our, our present differently. Number two, we see our past differently. And finally, we see our future differently. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new person. The old is gone and a new life has begun. Newness of life is found in the seed of Jesus Christ. When we accept the Lord Jesus, we have the potential for life change. That's why those who are bound with drugs or alcohol or sexual addiction, willpower alone cannot break those things off of your life. It's the presence of Jesus that gives you that transformation. Your desires are different. Your direction is different. Your future is different. And now all of a sudden, you have the strength that you need to move forward in a way that's pleasing to God. That's why baptism is so beautiful. It is a powerful picture. When you go under the water, it's a picture of being buried. That's, that, that's death. It symbolizes death. I am dead to the old man. You're having a funeral for who you used to be. Oh, I love that. That's one funeral I rejoice at. Because I didn't like the mic that I was becoming. And God knew I couldn't live or sustain the life that I wanted. So he says, we're going to bury the old man. And coming up out of that water, it's symbolic of this new life, new desires, a new spirit. There's a new strength. There's a new mentality. I don't think the way that I used to. 
I don't act the way that I used to. I don't live the way that I used to. I don't celebrate the things that I used to. Man, my direction has changed. My passion has changed. My purpose has changed. Heaven is my home. This world is not my home. I'm just a stranger. I'm not living for what I see. There's an unseen realm. Heaven awaits me. There's imperishable crowns that Jesus says one day I will wear, but I will lay at his feet. I'm a joint heir with Jesus. I'm a son of God. I'm in Christ. You see, I'm in Christ because I understand that failure is an event and not a person. Yesterday ended last night, and today is a brand new day. I'm in Christ because my past is redeemed, my present makes sense, and my future is secure. I'm in Christ because I know that a win doesn't make me, and a loss can't break me. I'm in Christ today because I'm filled with faith, hope, and love. I live without anger, guilt, greed, envy, or thoughts of revenge. I'm in Christ because I'm mature enough to delay gratification and to shift my focus from my rights to my responsibilities. I'm in Christ because I know that if I don't stand for something, I'll fall for anything. I'm in Christ today because I'm secure in who I am. Therefore, I'm at peace with God and I'm in fellowship with man. I'm in Christ because I know that others can please me, but only Jesus can satisfy the longing that's in my soul. I'm in Christ because I'm pleasant to the grouch, I'm courteous to the root, and I'm generous to the needy. I'm in Christ because I love the unlovable. I give hope to the hopeless, help to the helpless, friendship to the friendless, and encouragement to the discouraged. I'm in Christ because I look back in forgiveness, I look forward in hope, I look down in compassion, and I look up in gratitude. I'm in Christ because I understand that he who would be the greatest among you must become the servant of all. I'm in Christ because I recognize, confess, develop, and use my God-given mental, physical, and spiritual abilities to the glory of God and for the benefit of man. And finally, I'm in Christ because I know that one day, come on, somebody say one day, I will stand before God, the creator of this universe, and I will hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of my rest. If any man be in Christ, He's a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are made new. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.